In this edition of the podcast, a new and immersive contemporary arts festival is scheduled for the picturesque New South Wales south coast town of Berry in June. The Open Field Arts Festival will showcase contemporary art in and around the town in unique non-museum venues, including halls, community spaces and natural reserves. We speak with festival co-director Lenka Kripak about pulling the show together and about managing the festival in the midst of performing. I'm Tim Stackpool, and this is Inside the Gallery. Welcome to the podcast once again, and as always, let's acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast is produced and downloaded. In my case right now, that's Gadigal land, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And we also thank the Australian Arts Channel, whose contribution goes towards the transcript of this episode. And you can view the Australian Arts Channel for free at www.australianartschannel.com.au Fostered by a local group of creatives, the upcoming Open Field is a largely free festival that has already confirmed plenty of high-caliber artists, including critically acclaimed photo media artist and local resident Tamara Dean. Other celebrated artists participating in the festival that have chosen to base themselves in the Shoalhaven include Glenn Barkley, Sophie Cape, Sarah Enright, Anna Glynn, James Gulliver-Hancock, Bonnie Porter-Green and Michael Purdy, and they'll exhibit alongside visiting artists including Tina Fox, Claire Healy and Sean Cadero, Jess McNeil and Emma Saunders. Open Field Arts Festival is driven by a curatorium of local creatives and contracted curators who've developed what is shaping up to be a stellar program of local and visiting artists across disciplines of sculpture, dance, photography, performance, painting, installation and music. And with respect to that, a curated music program of local and visiting musicians and DJs is also on the cards, as well as a cinema event, workshops, artist talks and panel discussions. The festival promises to be an immersive experience designed to expand the possibility of art existing beyond accepted structures. Festival co-director and acclaimed Australian musician Lenka Kripak, also a local Shoalhaven resident, believes the increasing number of artists and professionals moving to the region is due to its unique beauty and lifestyle, and we'll talk about that. She joins us now on the phone. Lenka, thanks for your time. No worries, thanks. First of all, how did this all start? Well, this project was kind of invented by me and a couple of close friends. Um, it was uh, in around 2020, great year. But um, we had met earlier than that uh, some Berry people and sort of were cooking up an idea to maybe start doing something in the arts in Berry because we felt a real lack of arts infrastructure in the town, but there's so many artists. And I guess because I'm actually a musician, so my whole world kind of collapsed because of the pandemic and the global kind of shutdown. Normally I would go to tour overseas each year and so I wasn't going anywhere and I didn't have anything to do so I had sort of a bit of restless creative energy and um, decided to we decided to choose this festival model and start something new in Barrie took a couple of years to really get it going 
but yeah, that's how it, that's how it began. Yeah, so a lot of sitting around idle, thinking, "What am I going to do next?" Yeah. And this, in fact, is probably of great value to plenty of other artists in the area who felt similarly. I reckon, and people were making great work. It was actually quite creatively inspiring that time, but there were just so little places to show work around this area, particularly. But yeah, a lot of the works that we're showing now in 2023 were made or at least inspired from that period of time. This project you just mentioned in that area, you felt that there was a a bit of a lack of opportunity for artists down there. Is that the main reason why this is so important for, I guess, the Shoalhaven as, as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do feel like we're a part of a zeitgeist of more and more arts things happening down here. There are new art spaces popping up in the Shoalhaven area. And then if you include the Southern Highlands as well, like Nunnangool is there, Bundanon's had a big makeover, more and more people are taking the arts seriously. And it seems like it's getting known a bit more for arts down here, whereas previously it was just a bit of a holiday, kind of beautiful nature stop and get a scone, something like that. Now I think people are interested in what's happening here. So we're not the only ones, but there's definitely a zeitgeist happening where people are realising the lack and there's a lot of artist-run situations going on. Mm. I've spoken in this podcast both to the directors at Nunangala and also to Rachel Kenabundanon, of course, and the discussion I had with them actually pointed to the fact that the injection of interest in the arts down there is good for the arts everywhere. So the setting up of Nunangala, the I guess the reinvigoration of Bundanon as well, it counts mm-hmm. in spades for the arts yeah. in the entire region. Now, in terms of you coming along and setting this up, has it been difficult to kind of engage those, I'm not going to call them large institutions, but those very well mm. established institutions into what you're trying to achieve? Well, they've actually been quite good mentors for us. Like I've, you know, had had a beer with Sophie O'Brien who's given me some advice and we've had a few meetings with them where they've and they and they will kind of continue to to help us if they can lend us anything or whatever, but they've got their own thing going on. I think we're just all sort of uh aiming for the same goal and doing it not together, but uh, I guess parallel. <laughs> yeah, mm. so it does it does um we're not doing anything super direct together, but there are lots of links between us and those kind of sister organizations even though it's probably I guess they've got a lot more funding than us and a lot longer history <laughs> and bigger yes. staff where um pretty much just an artist-run community-run situation, but there are definitely some artists that are working in all those spaces themically, obviously there's going to be some crossovers. Uh, a few of the sort of board members and funders and things like that are across um, all three of those of, of us in those two spaces that you mentioned. Um, but we don't have bricks and mortar. We're just uh, going to be a biennial event and perhaps sort of form an umbrella brand that can just put on events here and there. If we could one day get our hands on a building in Bury, we would love that. But real estate is like absolute premium in Bury, so that's probably mm. a bit pie in the sky right now. But actually, the reason why we chose a festival model is because there are fantastic, beautiful heritage spaces throughout Bury, and they're very underutilized. They get rented out for little community groups and things, but they're just owned by the council and they're just sitting there. These colonial spaces, old sort of uh, showground buildings and um, school of arts, cute little halls. So we're actually just hiring all of those. We've got 11 spaces, indoor and outdoor, throughout the town. So I think that's going to suit us for a while, yeah. How wonderful. 
you talked about how you're a musician. Normally, you would have been touring through COVID. How much of a change has it been for you to actually kind of divert from your practice and move into the management of this sort of thing? It's been an absolutely massive change for me. <laughs> My brain is um, definitely growing and sometimes exploding or mm. imploding. Um, yeah, I've, my, in my life, I've always just been, I've always been in the arts, but I've always been on the, you know, creator side. I've always been the mm. talent, so to speak. Um, I did go to art school and that's why I'm connected to contemporary art so much. And I've always loved contemporary art, but I've never practiced really as a professional exhibiting artist. I've always been an actor and a musician. So to move to the side, like at first I sort of felt like it was a bit, oh, it's my turn to give back and my turn to kind of put my head down and actually create some opportunities in the arts because I have enjoyed so many opportunities in the arts as as a performer. Um, I want to, you know, create opportunities for those artists that I know and I felt really passionate about that. And now I feel like it's actually part of my personal journey in my life that I kind of had a lot to learn about how things work and, um, you know, being on a committee for the first time, learning how to do mm. like governance and policy and run a business mm. and marketing. And I feel like I'm doing a business degree, to be honest, because I've always just had managers. I've got a manager, business manager, agent, you know, acting manager, <laughs> all these people mm. that basically hold my hand and do everything for me. And now I'm having to learn to do all, it all myself which even though it's been quite difficult um, and a real learning curve for me, I think it's been amazing in my life journey. Yeah, so it's it's been, yeah, pretty full on. We'll move into your project a little bit more, but I just want to examine this personal impact on you and your practice as an artist and a performer. How will all of that bureaucratic side of it, do you think, reflect back into your art eventually? Mm, interesting. You know, this reminds me of something that is like, very related to what we're talking about. So recently I was in a songwriting session with Julian Hamilton from The Presets because I'm actually working on an album at the moment mm -hmm. and it come out in like August, September. So I am still doing my music. I can travel again. I'm touring Asia in April, but I'm still doing open field alongside all this. But I was in this songwriting session and I was just cracking up so much because Julian, even though he's in The Presets and that's, you know, like a sort of electro pop music festival type outfit, He's actually a very nerdy musician. He studied jazz. He went to the conservatorium, the Con High School, and he's very well educated. He writes songs in a spreadsheet, and I write songs scribbling with a pencil on a piece of paper, yeah. a photo of our two methods side by side because it was so funny to see. But his method was amazing, and it kind of got me thinking, well, you can actually apply these intellectual skills to a creative process because what – it was his spreadsheet allowed and if I was any better at spreadsheets I might steal his technique because it was pretty good so he's got all these columns with the bits of lyrics and in a pop song you often do repeat lyrics or you have kind of a hook that moves around the song so he could actually just kind of move it into a different column if it was going to repeat later or he could grab mm -hmm. the first half of the first verse and slide it down into the you know another section of the spreadsheet and it was very functional Mm, and it astonishing. was yes it was and it was a real good moment for me to go i don't have to be this crazy creative living on the edge coming up with inspiration and who knows where the muses will strike kind of person you can actually apply 
a more methodical system to a creative process. So Yeah, very much. Yeah, that was an eye-opener. So hopefully moving forward, I might be a bit more neat and tidy in my creative processes <laughs> from this experience. Well, that's good. That's like an area of growth. Now, let's get back to this event now. Quite extensive. I can't fathom what it was like. I mean, working with artists can be challenging, but has it been like herding cats, to, to use a cliche? <laughs> Uh, not really, no. We, we've got 21 artist projects in, in this festival lineup and most of them are, are really experienced and they're a lot of them are good friends or at least we've known them for a long time or we've known people that have known them and they're super happy to help out. They know that we are a non-profit, community-led event. They're very happy to step up and do something fun and take this as, an, as a chance to experiment and they're really on board to help out as much as they can. Um, we've got really great artists that have, have amazing careers, a lot of mid-career practising artists from mostly regional areas, but they just want to, you know what artists are like, they just want to muck in, they want to get into it, they're happy to do whatever they can to make it happen and they appreciate that we're doing it and it's exciting. So it hasn't been too hard, hasn't been too much hand-holding. We are the curatorium as well, basically. A few of us on the committee are basically acting as curators this time because we had no funding at the beginning, so we couldn't go out and hire somebody. So we're doing yeah. it ourselves, and we were really nervous about that, like how the hell are we going to be the organisational committee and the curators? But it does seem to be working now with quite a lot of blood, sweat and tears from a whole lot of helpers everybody's just mucking in. Like if someone's coming to Barry for a site visit, we'll invite any other artists to come or crew and we'll kind of just all meet, get the keys to these halls, go in, do some measuring and everybody's eyes light up and everybody gets excited and inspired and so far so good. <laughs> We've got local builders helping us frame up uh, ways to, to exhibit the art in these, in these heritage spaces and everybody's just volunteering left, right and centre. When it comes to the artists, tell us who you've got involved in this and what you expect them to bring to your event. We've got artists from the local area as well as from other regional areas and also Sydney. Mm -hmm. We've got a wonderful arts duo, Claire Healy and Sean Cadero. Know them well. They've appeared on the podcast, yeah. They are wonderful. Um, I've known them since my art school days and been following their career and just think they're so awesome. And they were, they were one of the first artists that we asked to be on. And because I do know them, we were able to like almost let them guide us on how the process works um, how how they would like it to work. And we came up with this amazing idea. My co-chair, Amelia, came up with this great idea because a big passion of ours is to involve the community and attract people to the arts and really be accessible. She had this idea to put a donation box in town for people's old Lego because Sean and Claire sometimes work with Lego. And, you know, it's so attractive for kids. And so it was basically like any anyone in the community, if you've got grandparents have got old Lego, anyone's got old Lego, please bring it along. And we collected a big box of Lego, delivered it up to Claire and Sean in mm. Blackheath. And um, they're making a new work out of this Lego from our community. So that's pretty cool. Um, and themically kind of around the mythology of country towns. And, uh, you know, you know, I mean, it's hard to explain what their, their work is about, but I'll have to leave a few things mysterious yeah. until you can yeah. see the work, but they're inspired by sort of the stories that people tell of what's happening, you know, in the town and the town's um, mythology. And they're making a new triptych wall piece and they're also showing some of their um, Lego works that they've made in the past. So that'll be really exciting. 
And we've got Tamara Dean, who was also a really early person that we got on board, who is a local artist. She lives down here in this Shoalhaven area, even though, you know, she's world-renowned and exhibits all over the place. She's actually a local and she makes a lot of her work in this area. So she's really connected to the land around here and she's showing a video work. I mean, we've got the wonderful Donna Marcus, who's Brisbane-based. She's already shipped her work down. She's putting a work. Do you know Donna Marcus? She makes huge sculptures and she's got a lot of public artworks around Mm -hmm. the place. Makes her works out of discarded old kitchenware. And then she, if she's making a really large work, she uses that as a mould and she makes a giant sculpture based on that. She, But she makes works out of like baking tins and lids and things like that. Lovely, yeah. And she's actually putting a work in the backyard of the CWA. So it's really perfect for that sort of, you know, the, the baking type charity that they're known for. We've got an artist from the Southern Highlands called Natalie Miller who is – a quite famous fibre artist. She's got a massive following. She does workshops around the world. She's also an architect and she does quite big commissions um, in like macrame and fibre art. Um, We've commissioned her to make a work with a sound artist who's from Sydney called Amanda Cole because they both work with the colour spectrum. And so for possibly the first time, there's going to be a mashup between fibre arts and sound art in an installation that will be installing in the School of Arts in Berry. that will be like a, quite an immersive, large fibre art work that makes sound based on the colours of the spectrum that the wool is, is um, coloured in. So that'll be really cool. Many more. We've got video art, we've got performance art, we've got a bunch of local artists. There's a great guy called Warwick Keane who's an Indigenous artist from the Nowra area. He's quite a big kind of mural artist. He's done a lot of murals down here. He was in Vivid last year, um, did these light-up poles all down along the foreshore, and he's done things like um, he did a whole ferry for Sydney Ferries one time. And he's real. I sort of think of him like the Kendone of Indigenous art. Like he's got some traditional patterns, but he's very contemporary in his colours and his work really pops. So he's doing quite a large installation where he's putting 27 poles hanging from trees in a little glade in Berry. So that'll be really cool. I mean, we've got a contemporary dance piece that um, is by an artist called Emma Saunders, who's based in the Coalcliffe area. Um, I know her from Sydney. She was in a group. She had this group a long time ago called the Fondue Set. It's almost comedy contemporary dance, like quite quirky, and I would sort of call it disruptive. Like it kind of happens on the street and you are invited to watch but you're sort of like confronted a little bit to Mm -hmm. watch, really engaging with the viewer. So they're going to be roaming around town and doing a performance a couple of times over the weekend. Yeah, we've got lots more amazing local artists doing large-scale works. Um, We've got Sophie Cake, who's an amazing painter that has actually settled in Gerringong now. She's signed to Olsen, so she's a Sydney artist normally, but she's settled down here in this area too. And I don't know if you know her work, but it's very wild, gestural, abstract painting. And she normally goes out in, she goes out bush and she spends a long time working in the outback and like using the earth and the materials around to get the colours and work the canvases. So she's actually going to be doing that live to be witnessed by the viewer in nature in Berry 
for the first time, which will be yeah. really exciting. So yeah, there's something for everyone, I would say, a really wide scope, but all quite appealing, accessible contemporary art. Yeah, I'm looking at the press information here in front of me. It talks about sculpture, dance, photography, performance, painting, installation and music and panel discussion. So this is a four-day event, right? Yeah, pretty much. So what, what, what advice do you have for me coming down to see this? I mean, should I be taking a week off and getting some accommodation in Bury to make this work? I reckon, yeah. I reckon it's a great time to come for a nice little winter escape. As with festivals, as they always are, the program is going to be pretty full. Mm. Um, you're going to have to choose a little bit what you want to do. So there might sometimes be more than one thing on. But there's also things that are getting repeated, like there's a few performances um, that will happen a few times over the weekend. So the program is going to be fairly complicated and you'll have to kind of choose when you want to see stuff. But to, in a ballpark way, the, the first main day is Friday. We open on Thursday night, but there's nothing major happening on the Thursday. The Friday is all the exhibitions are open and we'll be focusing on school excursions because we're quite passionate about attracting the local kids and high school kids and primary school kids of the area to come and see contemporary art without having to go to Sydney or Canberra, you know. Yep. But on Friday night, we're having an acoustic music night. So that's going to be hosted by a comedian and have five singer-songwriters. So it'll be a bit like a variety night. So if you like that kind of thing, like sit down, have a laugh, enjoy some songs, that's the Friday night. Saturday, there's a huge amount happening throughout the day. There'll be the the dance, some performance pieces, industry panels. I think we're going to have Richard Moorcroft chairing an artist panel. So there'll be a lot of interesting things if you are interested in the inner workings of the arts to sit down and enjoy. Mm. There'll be some workshops. There'll be kids' workshop, a few adult workshops. We're going to do a bit of a Tamara Dean activation in the evening where we're hopefully we'll have the musician that made the music for her video piece performing live outdoors with fires, get a bit of a dark mofo vibe happening. Then we're going to have an electronic music night that night, transform the space into a bit of a rave and hopefully have some maybe a bit more of like a sort of a queer club scene, which never happens down here. So we're really excited about presenting something quite different for the area. And then the Sunday, we've got a bit of a focus on First Nations stuff happening. There's um, hopefully going to be an unveiling of a new work in Berry, and a bit of a yarn circle, some storytelling from some local community leaders and elders. So that'll be really beautiful. And followed by that nice, calm closing night, which will be a cinema night. So it's kind of a whole journey that you'll be taken on if you wish to really get into it. And, of course, you're in Berry, so if you want to take a break, you can go on a bushwalk. You can go mm. – it's 10, 15 minutes to the beach. We've got beautiful restaurants and lots to do, you know, if you wanted to really make a holiday out of it, which I know quite a few people that have already booked. We've got an accommodation partner. We've got a couple of accommodation partners on our website. So there's a few deals to be had. I reckon it's a great time because I don't know if you know Barry, but it can be very busy in yeah. the like a yeah. I'm, I'm a little concerned, Linka, hearing about all of this, about how busy that, that donut van's going to be. Exactly. You want to be able to get in line for the donut van, um, but this is a quiet weekend. It's literally the middle of winter, so we'll be hopefully taking over the town. We picked the quietest weekend we could find on purpose <laughs> so that we could have room to... Um, do a bit of an art takeover. So there'll be lots happening. There's a few restaurants coming on board with special menu items that are inspired by artists and things like that. It's extensive. You're touring your own performance practice in April. This is in June. Will you be anxious at all being away while this is getting to the pointy end? 
I think my committee are a bit anxious and I'm ditching them for a couple of weeks, but mm. um, I had to take the offer when it was there. So I think we're all just, we're all volunteer and we're basically, we've got such a good team of nine of us that we can kind of hold the fort for when people need to have their real life happening. Yes, yes. Yeah, so we, we're kind of keeping our boundaries to, we're, we're doing this for fun, you know, we're doing it to enliven the arts. We don't want to have anybody having a nervous breakdown over this festival. There's just a really good spirit around it and we're determined to keep it that way. So I'm feeling fine about it. I think that we're getting really organised now and I'm just asking the universe right now that everything goes smoothly and uh, we're we're ready for anything. And also it's a movable feast. You know, we're very flexible. We're ready to pivot and all those great words that we learnt during COVID, where yeah. you have to stay on your toes, you have to be flexible, you have to go with the flow, you have to be ready to evolve, and we are. We're going, definitely going to be putting on something amazing, no matter what. It, it does sound incredible. Thinking about arts in the Shoalhaven, every city and every state has its enclaves of artists. In in Sydney, it's currently the Inner West. Uh, there was quite a bit I can remember back in the in the nineties, you know, it was Katoomba Blue Mountains. What do you think is gravitating artists down to your part of the world, the Shoalhaven? Yeah, good question. I mean, it is lovely down here. It is a really nice life. I think people and artists, but all people do sometimes want to drop out of the city, get away from the anxiety and the fast-paced stress, and take a slower life to really get into their practice and, you know, just for life life choices, take a sea change, take a tree change. So I think that has just been happening a fair bit as as this generation of artists get older perhaps. They're wanting to make their life a bit nicer. It's just been a trend in general over the last few years. I moved down here uh, nearly six years ago now and there are so many people that have moved in that time to this area and they are people that are a bit more creatively engaged like it does seem like it's not there's a shift away from living in the country for agricultural reasons to living in the country for reasons like being connected to nature living a slower life you know you can still use the internet to upload your work <laughs> things like that people that need to stay connected to a more uh, fast-paced world can do it with the internet. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the show Haven maybe is just having its moment now because, like you say, so many other places that are accessible from Sydney have already been, I don't know what the word for, like it's not gentrified exactly but artified or... That's true, but, I mean, cost comes into it as well. And artists get yeah. pushed out of their traditional studio spaces, their workshops, and move further and further away. But I think, you know, in terms of the Shoalhaven as well, though, and you kind of, you you almost got there, I was going to say mental health, really. And without yeah. without clear mental health, it's difficult to be creative and, and undertake your practice to a satisfactory extent. Yeah, I reckon for sure. I'd, I'd say quite a few of those people have moved for mental health and physical health, um, wanting to just live a more calm life or perhaps focus on their mental and physical health a bit more and that helps sometimes with their practice it actually has been a pretty stressful few years down here though like especially just black summer floods and COVID mm. Mm. Um, I actually think that a lot of the people that I know in this area have been really affected by that mentally and physically and that's been reflected, if they're an artist, that's been reflected in their work. Lenka, it, it sounds remarkable, and I think the amount of work you put into this has been incredible. Talking about what you just were, so many people are just lurching from one crisis 
to another. And to be honest, after COVID and I was able to travel the country and, and particularly the state again, I was very horrified at the impact that it had had on smaller regional centres. And I think the work that you're doing is really helping to revive that, not just in a commercial sense, but also in terms of an inspirational sense for everyone who's who's living and working in the area. And I wish you all the very best and I, I look forward to coming down and, and seeing you. That's so great to hear. Thank you, Tim. I'm, I'm glad that you are seeing that and that is definitely a, a passion of ours. So thanks very much. And it's going to be fun. I look forward to seeing you down here too. That's Lenka Kripak, Festival Co-Director with Open Field, the first festival of its kind in the Shoalhaven. If you're not familiar with the town of Berry, it is a small town, quite lovely. So if you're planning to visit the festival, make the bookings now as local accommodation will quickly book out. And you can find more details at openfield.org.au. There's a call out for volunteers as well on that site too, so plenty of opportunities to visit or to get involved. Again, that's www.openfield.org.au or just follow the link at our website, www.insidethegallery.com.au where you'll also find our Facebook and Instagram pages. And while there, please sign up for our newsletter, which only ever alerts you to any new episodes. That is the podcast for now. Thanks to the Australian Arts Channel for their support. I'm Tim Stackpole. Until the next edition, bye-bye for now.